So you've built and ran a successful family business. Now, time for the kids to take a crack at it. The question is, how'd you get here and what do you do now? You're listening to Financial Sense, Arizona's financial podcast that answers your real questions about money in your business and in your life. Recorded at and brought to you by National Bank of Arizona, the only bank you need. Hello, I'm your host, Brent Cannon. I'm the Director of Community Banking here at National Bank of Arizona. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're going to talk about succession planning and how to implement an exit strategy. We're very fortunate today to have Sharon Lecter with us to share her insights from her experience. Sharon is the CEO of Pay Your Family First and author of Exit Rich. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you so much, Brent. I'm delighted to be with you today. Thank you. Well, I, I think if, if you would provide a brief background of your, of your uh, experience in, in not only this topic, but kind of everything you've done, it's, it's, it's very interesting. So Certainly. Thank you so much. Well, I actually grew up in a very um, lower middle class home. My parents, and neither one of them had high school diplomas. So we lived in a little tiny house between my mother's beauty shop and my dad's used car lot. And so I was steeped in the arena of family business as well as entrepreneurship and didn't realize until many years later that most people don't understand the importance of building assets. And one of those biggest assets you can have is family business. But what happens when that family business grows and you get to the point where you need to make it a generational business? And that's what succession planning is all about. I mean, I started my career in public accounting and at the ripe old age of 25, I realized I was working ungodly hours for a paycheck and um, that my parents looked a whole lot smarter then. And that's when I left public accounting and started building companies, Um, moved to Arizona. And that's when my oldest son went off to college and got into credit card debt. And that's when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial education, financial literacy. And that started a journey of many companies, many of which my children are involved in, my husband's involved in. And so we understand the the dynamics of family business. And certainly I've worked with hundreds or not thousands of of companies where um, succession planning isn't thought about. And then all of a sudden there's a dramatic event or somebody gets to the point where they go, what's next? Now what do I do? So succession planning is, should be a very, very integral part of any business, not just family businesses. So uh, on that on that topic, talk a little bit about uh, Exit Rich and, and kind of how the book came about. And, and I think the audience would find that incredibly interesting. This is my 26th book. So starting off with Rich Dad, Poor Dad and 15 wow. other books in that series. And then throughout this journey, I've mentored many, many companies and worked with them and understand that there's a fundamental problem when people start businesses. They get, they're in love with their product and the profit. So they're very successful, but they don't do what they need to to make that successful company sustainable scalable and saleable. Whether you own a business or whether you want to invest in a business, the book Exit Rich takes you through the entire process of how to analyze your business, how to find that value, how to create new value. And if you're an investor, it shows you how to do your due diligence for a potential company you want to invest in to make sure they've done what they needed to, to build the value, protect it, and and make it saleable. I, I think that uh, I love the I love the three S's: uh, sustainable, scalable, and saleable. I think that's you know one of the statistics that uh, I actually read in the book was that just absolutely astounded me uh, is that eight out of ten businesses never sell. 
That's right. And most of that is because they haven't done their homework. So imagine you have a business and of course you're very, it's your ego involved. You're very proud of it. And you put a $10 million price tag on it. All right. And so a potential buyer comes in to look at your business and you don't have all your legal documents. You don't have the right written agreements with your vendors and suppliers. All of a sudden, that $10 million becomes $7 million. And then they get into the details and realize that you've been using your company as your personal checkbook. Mm-hmm. So you've been doing a lot of things. So it's not really structured appropriately for a company. Like $5 million. And so you, you lose the opportunity to maximize your profit if you don't do your homework and set it up correctly. And that's why eight out of 10 businesses don't sell. The business isn't a business without them because they right. haven't built the systems and brought in the people, the succession. They haven't created the succession plan. So many times when we help successful businesses transition through a sale, The employees are a vital part of continuing with that business because they are the ones that have learned to take over the reins from the owner and the person selling it. You know, it's the whole advantage of taking the risk and building your business through your blood, sweat and tears is is that you, you know, you potentially have a, a payday. Otherwise, you might as well, and this is just me talking, you might as well have stayed in your corporate job <laughs> and, and had your had your job. You know, I mean, that's to me, that's the that's the real advantage of taking all that risk, you know, building that equity. And Brent, so many people own a own a job, not a business. Right. They think they're business owners, but they really own a job because right. they haven't done what they need to to create that economic engine. You know, the definition of whether you really truly own a job is can you leave for three months and come back and have the business stronger than when you left? Mm, very interesting. What I'd like to do, uh, Sharon, for for a lot of our businesses are small family-owned businesses. So uh, let's talk about that type of business that maybe it's been in in business for a couple of years and you know probably has very few, if any, employees. Maybe you know one, but they're building. Uh, t- let's talk about that family-owned business and and when should they begin talking about succession and thinking about it? I mean, you know, year one, year two. I, well, you said it already. You kind of need to start with the end in mind. You know, Mm -hmm. what is it that you, what is your long-term goal? What do you want to create? What is, what is that um, event that's going to allow you to get some cash? We want a liquidity event. Maybe it's going public more, very seldom is that the case. Maybe it's bringing on an investor or selling or creating that. So there's an economic generation that you can create for it to be a generational wealth so that you can pass it on to your kids. But that should be in your mind when you start Mm. because people tend to get so in love with their business that they don't think about what happens if you have an illness, what happens if you have a divorce, right? right? And it's even more important, um, Brent, when you have a partner because you both are in love with each other and the idea and excited about the future but what happens in five years? Maybe one of you is not so in love with the business anymore. Right. So that buy-sell agreement type thing of, I talk about plan the divorce before you plan the marriage. It's the same thing in family businesses. You need to understand, okay, if we have family drama, all right, is the business more important than the family? Typically not. And so we're going to put family first and we're just going to figure out how to separate within this business structure. Do it when you're still like each other. 
do it when you're first started off so that the business, so that you're using with reason. I say high emotion means low intelligence. Mm. So with family, there's always a lot of high emotion. So you try and do this when you guys are all on the same page. Uh, you know, when I was, I was looking at, at the book and, and I saw that there's, there's a model that you, that you prescribe for, for businesses to follow. And so, so this, you know, this, this new ish family business, I guess that that uh, the STGPS exit model probably a pretty good place to start and have is would be the basis for those conversations. Absolutely, and what we did was, if people know my work, they know I kind of like to codify things: the cash flow quadrant, and you know how do you personal success equation. So when we came to this book, it's like the six piece, and so the first one is your people. Do you have the right people working with you? Do you have people on your team who are strong where you are weak? Do you have a mentor mm-hmm. that's going to help you get to where you want to go? They're going to open doors for you. They're going to steer you around the pitfalls. So people's very important. And particularly when you want to sell a business, you want to make sure you've got people that will help that business continue and get even bigger and better for the purchaser. And then the second one is your product. What is your product? What is your service? You know, what is it that you're doing and how can you potentially leverage that? And then the third one is processes. Back to those business systems I talk about. It's a lot easier to manage a system than personalities and people. So don't create a a position for a person. This is important in family, all right? Create a position that's needed and then find the right person in it. And if somebody in your family and they need training, have that personal development. You know, the, there's a huge element of personal training and development that's important in succession planning. And then the fourth P is proprietary. What makes you unique? What is your competitive advantage? Identifying your intellectual property, hugely important today. And then the fifth P is your patrons. All right. In today's world, it's very important, Brent, because a lot of people are bragging. I have a million followers on Instagram, Facebook, and that's great, but you don't own them. Right. All right. Instagram owns them. Facebook owns them. You want to invite them home and bring them into your database. Many companies sell simply for their database. Right. Huge valuation for you. And then the, the sixth one is profit. Right. which of course is very important. But most people focus on product and profit and forget about the others. And so that 6P method, we use, we go through it in the book, Exit Rich, one at a time, challenge you to look at it, assess it, valuation, how can you turn it up so the valuation of your company and the stability of your company is there so that you can be attractive to potential buyers. I think that's just, I think that's such great advice and uh, and so important. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of going through a quick lifespan here of a family business. So now we're, let's say we've been running this business for 15 years. We've built up a nice client. We're, we're, we're pretty much executing on the six P touchy subject, family owned businesses, all, you know, kids, <laughs> uh, siblings that are involved. I, I imagine you've had a t- tremendous amount of experience working with how do you kind of work through that? How, what should a small family-owned business, how should they kind of avoid some of those? And I know you touched on that earlier, but you know, I, I think that's a really important uh, topic. It is. It is. And every family is different, but it's really important to set up boundaries mm. and, um, and you know, rules of engagement, I say. For instance, my son worked with me at Rich Dad and you know, inside the offices, he called me Sharon. 
because I wanted him to feel his own strength and not feel, you know, somehow he's my son. Right. And, but as soon as those doors close, you darn well better call me mom. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, that was a relationship that I valued him and I wanted him to feel his, his power. And that's something that was very important. And then with my husband, this one I share only because it's funny and it shows a light on me. We made an agreement we'd never discuss business upstairs where our bedroom is. And of course, I break that rule all the time. But then it becomes funny as opposed to a pain in the you know what. Right. So again, having those boundaries and, and do it in a respectful way. If there's an issue of family dynamic bring in a third party to help mitigate it and go through because, and don't let it fester. And so you have to establish those processes to make sure that everybody is valued. Everybody has a say, but everybody respects the chain of authority as well. And it's very important, but it does happen. Mm. That is, that's just really interesting. And I, and I love the, uh, the separation, uh, you know, within a family. I think that's, I think those are some great, great, great rules. So Sharon, now our family business is just, you know, a couple of years away from handing the reins over to uh, family members who have an interest to want to take over the business. What tips would you have that would you give the business owners uh, when they're in this time frame, And how do they make sure that, you know, it's a seamless handoff? Well, and that it takes work. It takes work because you kind of fall into role playing and you get used to um, having the the older generation kind of take the lead and, and move forward. And so it's a very important to strategize how you're going to do that and elevate the the second, the junior, right? That's going to right. take over that business. Allow them to literally accompany you throughout many, many meetings and opportunities to give them that authority to be beside you and then allow them while you're still there to start doing those on their own and come back and analyze and say, okay, what worked, what didn't work and see what kind of feedback you get from your clients. Because it's not just within the company, it's outside the company as well. Somebody who's always been used to dealing with you has to get to that point where they understand and they're dealing with your child. And so it's very important to test the water and while you're still there. But even more important is to make sure you're providing that professional development to that, that second in command so that they are continuing to build who they are because they is so important that they feel good about who they are, not just that they're your child. Right. So they feel some ownership and who they're, who they are and how they can add value to the company and allow them to lead. It's not just them and you, it's the people that below them. Make sure the people within your company see and respect what they're doing independent of you so that they don't feel like they're getting shuffled off on junior. Make sure that it's whether it's a junior daughter or a junior son, that the employees will grow in respect for who they are and what they contribute so that when you decide to walk out um, and leave the reins to them, that confidence is there not only in them, but in all the employees within the organization and your customers. That's Boy, that's really, really good. So now we're we're at the time for for the for the business to transfer to the next generation. What are some of the ways that that you have advised and seen these type of uh, deals structured? Well, you have the employment side, and then you have the equity side. Hmm. 
that you have to maintain. So you can have your, your children take over the business from an employment perspective where they're leading it and their management, you still own it. So you're still reaping the benefits of the ongoing revenue sure. um, and the ongoing increase in, in, um, in valuation. Typically, there starts to be a transition of ownership at the same time there's a transition in management so that your children have the opportunity to earn that equity interest. Okay. And typically, there's an earnout period for that. Now, the other extreme is that there's an employee buyout of you so that you're completely out. And so you establish a valuation of the company and you either bring in debt or you bring in an opportunity for them to pay that off to you over years. And it's really important not to do what I say because every situation is different, but bring in the right counsel, the right accounting firm, people who are experienced in doing these things so that you have the right opportunity to do it the way that's best for you, your family, and your business. It might even be an employee stock option plan. It might even be an employee buyout, bringing in a, an investor or a third party it's important for you. Your exit is, is, should be designed the way that's most suitable for you. But if you want the business to wholeheartedly stay inside the family, then you want to look at how can you structure it so that there's an equity transfer with a buyout provision for you. Or you maintain the ownership. They get a profit percentage from a revenue perspective, so that they get a bump up for what they're doing and increase the profitability of the company. And then when you die, um, they get the, the stock through, through inheritance. So there's lots of different ways to do it, but you want to have the right legal and accounting advice to figure out how best to do it for you and your family and your company. Uh, this has been a great conversation today. And uh, what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity to, you know, to, to leave the audience with, uh, with anything that you find that, that you really want them to take away from, from our discussion today regarding succession planning, exit strategies, and, uh, and the importance of this. Well, I think make every day count and whatever you're doing in your business, think of it as value add to the business. And again, evaluate, are you spending time or investing your time? I mean, one of the reasons I wrote this book was I just have so many clients and I see them when they start focusing on this, oh my gosh, they feel so much more confident. They're making more money because they've started putting that structure in their business. And I wanted to make it available to everyone. You can go to exitrichbook.com forward slash buy. And I'm just thrilled, Brent, to hear your, your feedback. And I'm so happy that you read it and that you appreciate it because it really is, um, a, 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 it is a goldmine to use Steve's term. It really is hard to beat. And I have to, you know, I, I, I am a, I love to read books uh, that I'm, uh, it, it, that, that I'm passionate about. One of them is helping small business. I, I personally, it's, it's why I'm a banker. Um, and, and I'll tell you, Sharon, you don't know this, but one of the reasons that I really uh, moved into leadership was because I read a book of yours, Three Feet from Gold. And uh, just so you know, that was one of my uh, inspiring moments to do a few things, namely uh, obtain my MBA and continue to uh, participate 
uh, in leadership. And, and so I need you to know that. So thank you. I'm delighted that you love that book. Love it. I love the bank. You guys have been fantastic. And from, a, from supporting your people by doing this podcast, I want to thank you and congratulate you. Anything I can do to support, just ask. Thanks, Sharon. I tell you, it was an incredible uh, experience for me, and I'm sure it will be for all of our listeners. Uh, if you're, uh, if you want to check out more episodes, uh, please check us out in your favorite podcasting platform or watch us on YouTube. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. The podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Zions Bank Corporation NA entity to the listener. Neither Zions Bank Corporation NA nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Zions Bank Corporation N.A., and Zions Bank Corporation N.A. is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving advice, investment, or otherwise by Zions Bank Corporation N.A. to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Zions Bank Corporation N.A. entity. Copyright reserved by Zions Bank Corporation N.A. National Bank of Arizona, a division of Zions Bank Corporation N.A. member FDIC.